You're listening to the Sleep Nation Station podcast right here, right now. We're with Kelly Nordstrom. Hey there, folks. How's it going, Kelly? Uh, it's going great, Brand. Uh, thanks so much for having me on your show. No, thank you so much because I've been um, listening to your work for probably uh, 15 years now, and I didn't really know <laughs> that it was you you know, what you were doing, but I don't want to get into that exactly right now. My first question is to ask you your first music memory or like the first song that you remember or like the, you know, your first memory of music of any type. Well, my first memory goes back to the piano uh, and that was really the first instrument I uh, got into at a deeper level uh, as a young person. And I was fortunate enough to study with uh, an artist named Louise Rose, who is uh, quite well known in uh, certain circles. He's a gospel piano and vocalist, uh, as well as composer, uh, performer, educator, very important educator uh, all over, well, the, the continent anyways. I know she travels around still uh, to some degree uh, in the U.S. and, and Canada and I had the fortune of uh, studying piano with her. And so my earliest memories were really looking down at the keyboard and working on my technique. She was very, very specific about technique. Uh, so, and it was, you know, I felt some pressure back then, even, even as a young person. Um, and so I also remember the exercise books on the piano. Thompson, I think, was the the, the name of of that particular exercise book series I was working through at the time. And I also remember the studio, uh, Louise's studio was, had stacks of score, like music scores all over the place, music books, LPs, like shelves and shelves of stuff, uh, music to, to listen to and, uh, and explore. So yeah, it's, it's, I had a fairly rich, uh, beginning in music. Uh, I feel very fortunate to be able to say that. Yeah, and, and starting off, you know, I know that, uh, you know, piano is kind of a, an entryway a lot of times, but uh, just being enriched in, the, in that environment is, is awesome. Uh, and it, it's yeah, great that I, you had somebody to kind of, you know, open that door for you and, and kind of prepare you for what you're eventually going to, to do later on in life. Absolutely. I feel very blessed in that way. Uh, and it was it was not just playing the piano that she w- worked with me on. It was also notation and just how to write things out properly and on the staff and it's very you know very specific about that. So I, I was I had a disciplined start, which I think really carried over to my my musical career later on in life. Uh, and and I'm also a pretty active uh, music teacher now too. So it's it's really translated well. Uh, in my uh, how things developed for me in music, I guess with when it came to guitar, I discovered guitar later in life. I got some old somebody gave me an old beater family family member gave me a beater some of some sort Montano guitar I think, and uh, I just I, I really I really connected with the guitar because I could finally play an instrument privately and discreetly in my room i could close the door and nobody else could necessarily hear what i was playing and practicing which was you know different from piano and 
Well, I got into the violin and clarinet for a while, which are very loud and public instruments. You can't really play them privately as well. And I, and so when I discovered the guitar, I also discovered writing music and and creating things that were my own. And that that I found really inspiring to actually pursue it as as uh, well, I guess, uh, as uh, something that would be a big part of my life. Right. And, and, you know, I, I like, uh, similar to you, like my first instrument that I learned how to play was banjo and I went and took lessons, yeah. but only did that for three months. So, you know, and then now kind of guitar, I got into that, uh, a couple of years after that. And that's my kind of like main go-to, but yeah. And that, that's, that's, so what is the first like band that you put together or if, or well, join a band or put together a band? Yeah. Yeah. It, as it turns out, um, I met my, well, a really important, uh, friend of mine and we're still very close. Uh, and we, we did a lot of music together, um, early on. And that's who I started my first band with. His name's Sam Dunn. It turns out that he's become quite an important filmmaker, uh, lives in Toronto, uh, Canada, and uh, is making movies, documentary films on on uh, heavy metal music generally. Although he's expanding now, I think into other styles. Uh, but he's uh, did a, a movie called Headbangers Journey, uh, and as well uh, documentaries for like Iron Maiden, Alice Cooper, a, a whole long list. Uh, I, I couldn't do the list justice off the top of my head right now. Anyhow, he and I met on a baseball team we we're trying out for the victoria all-star team and we just got paired up throwing the ball and we we're both wearing mac jackets and had long hair and it's realized hey we both we're into metal like and, and we're listening like there's this local radio station called overkill radio that was on every saturday night and we re- religiously recorded that and listened to it over and over and over and really got into music together and we started a band called dementia uh, here in Victoria, uh, when we were well, pretty young, I guess, 11, 12 years old at that point. And we ended up doing a recording, like typically, like, as you can imagine, a, a, a garage recording, like an actual garage recording onto cassette and mixed that. And it actually turned out like 20 years later, a, a label picked it up and it's been released on, on vinyl, like a, uh, oh, 33 wow. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. If you can imagine. So our, the, our pictures are on the back of this album. We're like little kids and, uh, there's like, it's not for listening. It's not like music you want to listen to, but, uh, it's kind of a bit of a, a collector's item for us now anyways. Uh, yeah. So that was the first band experience. We we're, we we're really into metal, as I said. And so, uh, that's what it was. We we're, you know, trying to play as fast as we could and, you know, our drummer wasn't necessarily quite up to what we we're hoping, you know, to do in terms of speed and stuff like that. Well, we just, we had a lot of fun. And, uh, and so that was my first, uh, experience and it was also recorded. So, uh, it got documented, which is uh, kind of weird. It's pretty special, uh, looking back at, at that, uh, that project. That's awesome. That's awesome ex- experience. So, yeah. So dementia, uh, I think it was 87. We created that band with Sam Dunn. And then uh, an important local Victoria person here is Jason flower. He's got a record store and a label. Now he's, uh, he's remixing a whole bunch of, 
bands that we grew up uh, listening to and and going to shows with. And he's got a place called Supreme Echo. And his label is also called Supreme Echo. And that's Jason Flower. I wanted to mention him as well as being a part of that band. Awesome. And that was your that was your first band. Uh, what kind of stuff were you guys like influenced by, and what what kind of stuff were you listening to? Uh, we were influenced by like early Sepultura, Slayer, of course, uh, the heaviest, thrashiest bands. Uh, well, back back then, uh, locally there was a band called Armorous, and there's a bit of a story behind that. We can kind of follow up on uh, in a bit too. Uh, they were a big influence on us. Uh, gosh, well, Iron Maiden, all the, you know, classic metal of that, that era, uh, we were heavily influenced by, but also a lot of underground music. I mentioned there was a radio show called, uh, Overkill Radio and that exposed us. To, uh, there's a guy, John Hercock, who's still around, who did that, uh, John Hercock and Lauren Wright, um, put that radio show on and exposed us to some incredibly amazing music that was very underground uh what i could think of would be like bands called wreckage um uh, all like all like early uh death angel sacrifice and you know more yeah just more obscure stuff that really really uh, got us heavily in- interested in like kind of, i guess you call it thrash metal yeah. Not really speed metal. Speed metal kind of came much later, but it was at back in that in the late '80s, early '90s. It was all about thrash metal with us. Well, that that was kind of the beginning of uh, and the you know the genesis of that kind of style of music. So yeah, I got right. into that's it right. just a lot later. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I guess one of the things I liked about it is there's a melodic element, um, which which was really inspiring for the guitar, uh, a lot like really using the guitar in, in a way like, uh, that was mo- like, uh, had a harmonic element to it that I really liked. Um, you know, Slayer is a good example of that. You know, it may sound like a bunch of power chords, um, or they may be a bunch of power chords, but it, it's, it's got a, a real melodic and harmonic sensibility to it that, they wanted me to play the guitar and, and figure out what they were doing. And, and so, uh, that's, that led to a lot of study, a lot of woodshedding and I uh, wanted to get better. And, and then of course, uh, well, I did, I did end up studying music formally as well later on in life. So, uh, really, but it was a good starting point. I think for me, it's technically got my chops up really fast. It definitely will. Any type of metal is <laughs> just, for guitar players, you know, you're working yourself out. Exactly. Yeah. Down pick, down pick, down pick. Mm-hmm. How long did you guys play together? Well, probably two years or so. A couple of years. Like, you know, we got together when we were like 11 years old or so. So that was pretty oh, good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. With, like we were talking way back uh, in our, you know, in our lives. Uh, so we're, we're together a couple of years and it was, you know, we're still going to school and whatnot. So it was just like whenever we could get together weekends and stuff like that, we'd get together and, and just experiment. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, that's the best way to yeah, do it. Yeah. And I went on to play several different groups with Sam. Um, 
uh, which, you know, the, well, there's one band called Scrape Chamber. That, that was probably one of my favorite projects that we did. It was really progressive. Uh, and then le- less, it was metal, but it was, it was, um, it was almost a crossover sort of sound. Uh, didn't really, you know, we made, we made one record and put it out on cassette and that was like early nineties at that point. Um, but you know, that Sam and I were, were getting better at our instruments at that point and, and, uh, practicing a lot, lot more, uh, becoming teenagers and, and having more freedom and, and time to do so. So, so you were you were in the with the band with Sam, and then you kind of played around with some other. When did you know, yeah. like the exact moment that you're like, I want to do this for SML Live? Yeah, good question. I think I was I was coming to the end of high school and faced with the choice: what am I going to do with my life? Basically, <laughs> I was really into sports as well. I probably pl- practiced uh, uh, and did more sports than music at that time, but it was starting to shift over uh, in that, you know, I think for me, sports was something that helped me get through school and gave me some meaning and purpose. And as I became older, that meaning and purpose shifted over to more creative things like music and and, and also having freedom from the institution of of the education system and stuff like that. I was, I really didn't, want to continue going to school at the time. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to, you know, uh, you know, try and get a scholarship to study business or something. Looking back, I probably should have considered that a bit harder. But <laughs> anyways, I decided at that, I think in grade 11, that I wanted to just pursue music. Now, I said I didn't want to go to college, but uh, through discussing things with my family, my my father especially really did want me to do something uh, post secondary, and so I decided to go to music school, and so uh, that was that was where I made the choice in yeah grade eleven to you know I, yeah it was nice to to become the best basketball player and soccer player I could, but really I wanted to play guitar, I wanted to hang out and go to parties and and uh, have have my identity uh, developed and developing in that way. And, uh, so, uh, after I, I kind of squeezed out of high school a little early, skipped a year, which was kind of cool. I don't know. I found a loophole in the system up here somehow. And, uh, so for my grade 12 year, I actually studied music full time at the local conservatory here, which I actually now, um, I'm a faculty member here at the local Victoria conservatory of music. Uh, so it's kind of a neat full circle story in that respect. Um, but uh, for my yeah, basically for my grade twelve year, I, I did uh, classical studies there um, full time, and then uh, ended up going to a music college here in British Columbia called Selkirk College. It's actually the full name's called uh, Selkirk College Professional Music Program, and uh, had a great experience there. Got a couple diplomas in music production and music performance, and so by that point, uh, I was rolling in music and. Uh, uh, I was basically kind of came out of my fourth year of post-secondary study straight into full-time music work. Uh, you know, had uh, an uncle of mine actually um, had a project. He kind of hired me for right out of right out of college, and I did a couple years of work with him. His name's Monty Nordstrom, and we put together a project called North Stream, which is a Swedish translation of our last name, which is. Uh, 
Nordstrom. Nordstrom in Swedish is is uh, translated that way, and so we, um, yeah, did that together, and yeah, it's uh, kind of went on from there. That's that's awesome that you kind of took a, a risk, but then ended up, you know, totally getting into stuff and and getting diplomas for music, and that's hats off to you. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's, I can't, I can't complain. I'm, I'm really, I feel very blessed to have the life experience I do and, and still be working in music now. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's some of the things, uh, that have, that I've done that, that I'm really proud of. Well, most things I'm really proud and feel blessed to have been a part of, uh, for instance, uh, well, this Sound of Contact project with Simon Collins, Dave Kersner, and Matt Dorsey, that was, uh, that really, things kind of came to a head and a peak with that project for sure. And I'm still, still working on, um, on building from that. Yeah. The, the first time that I, I believe I heard your guitar playing was probably off You Catastrophe. Oh, yeah. Right. Cool, man. That's a uh, nice uh, one. I, I didn't realize you were aware of that. Oh, yeah. I was a little late, maybe like a year. And I was like, how did I know about this? Because I'm a huge <laughs> Phil Collins fan. And then I just right, yeah. stumbled upon, you know, Simon. And I listened to that album. And it, front to back, it is great. I mean, there's... Wow. But everybody, yeah, it seems like you've been involved with that y'all are just making some gold stuff. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's, it's been a, an amazing journey to be, uh, have, have been working with Simon all these years. Uh, we're still, we're now working together still on a couple of things, a couple of projects, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a really important album that you catastrophe album, uh, working with producer Kevin Churko, who just came off. I think like what he just finished doing was Ozzy's black rain album. And so we're, we had lots of stories about working with Ozzy and and uh, and Zach Wild and stuff like that. Uh, Kevin Churko is an amazing producer, Canadian, uh, and actually he won. A, Kevin Churko won a, a yeah, what do you call it? It's the uh, Juno. He, he got a Juno for that album as an engineer. Wow. Actually, yeah, it's like best engineered album um, for that year, whatever that was. So that was a really special thing to be a part of. Uh, he lived in Vegas, actually, at the time. I came down for a couple of weeks to do uh, the guitars. Uh, now, to be fair, Kevin Churko played a lot of those guitars on that album, too. So he needs to take a lot of credit for that album. Uh, the, the, it's, but it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work, and it uh, was wonderful for me to be a part of that as well and to work with somebody of his stature. Yeah, the, the guitar work is, is excellent. Uh, I mean, Thanks, everything, man. everything on that album is, I mean, I could, I could see anybody, everybody that played personnel on that album, hats off because it's, it's great. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, uh, Simon's a gifted drummer uh, and singer. Like, I mean, just like his dad, it's, it's amazing. Uh, when uh, that, that album's a great example of how, how superb of a drummer Simon is as well. Um, so yeah, thanks, man. Uh, that is a really special album. I agree. It'd be lovely to to try and uh, 
to continue getting that that one out there, I'm, I'm not sure. I think we could have promoted it a bit more, and um, who knows uh, if we if we have uh, new stuff coming out in the near future. Hopefully, we can kind of re- have people revisit some of Simon's back catalog in that way. Did you have a hand in playing the uh, recent preview? There's like a ten minute. Uh, yeah. Becoming. Oh, becoming human. Yeah, Simon's yeah, new what, record. Yeah, becoming human. Simon's new record is uh, called "Becoming Human," and it is about to be released. Um, I believe he's working with, on that release plan uh, with a, a label called Frontiers. Uh, it may also be Inside Out. I have to double check on on which label he's working with. I think they're affiliated, anyways. But uh, UK labels, and uh, yeah, I went over to uh, Simon's place in the UK and spent a few weeks working on guitars for that uh, with the producer Robbie Broneman, who's a real hot uh, producer. Uh, I did co-write a couple songs on that as well, so I'm looking forward to um, just hearing those out in the world. Uh, some of the material actually was uh, that is on Becoming Human was going to be on the second Sound of Contact record. <laughs> well, not to get into too much of the politics on that, I know it's kind of talking about that is going to bring it up, but both Dave Kersner and Simon have used some of the material that Sound of Contact was working on for the second album on their most recent solo albums, because unfortunately that Sound of Contact project is not moving forward at the moment. So we can maybe come back to that later and uh, I can tell you what I know about that. But uh, anyways, Becoming Human is, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that album coming out. And uh, Simon's got a lot of great material on there and great performances uh, and has worked with a producer uh, who's a real uh, hot producer right now in, in the world scene named Robbie Broneman. Um, he's all over the place right now doing cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I was over in the UK at Simon's Place, uh, it was a couple of years ago now, working on that album, Laying the Guitars, and uh, it's going to be, I'm really excited about the release. I'm, I'm equally excited about it, because I've been waiting since, I've been waiting for that album ever since I finished You Catastrophe, I was like, I need some more, like, stat, so I've been <laughs> patiently waiting. Yes, I know uh, it's uh, there is a bit of a patience uh, element to uh, to things like this sometimes. Uh, so, but um, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm having having to be patient as well because uh, you know it's been kind of ready to go for a while, and it's just other things uh, needed to come fall into place before it's uh, going to reach our stereos. Right. Uh- not mean to backtrack, but you catastrophe. Yeah. Did you uh, co-write the Good Son? I did. I did. Interesting kind of story how that came about. Like that came; those guitars got uh, brought over from this old kind of experimental recording we did when Simon and I lived up on the Sunshine Coast here in Canada, uh, and we were, yeah, we we've been working on that album for a long time. And for somehow, uh, the intro guitar riff, uh, or lick, I should say, or it's like a melody uh, motif, uh, came from those days. That was even a couple of years before You Catastrophe was made. And yeah, I did um, 
have a hand in writing that just because of this improvised uh, guitar thing I did and it got we captured it and it ended up on the album. Man, that was that that track is um, it it it's pretty life changing uh, track and and it just the subject right. matter you know everything like the the instruments is. It seems heavy. They go to ride along with the lyrics. Did you have any part in writing the lyrics or was that? Yeah, no, I can't say I had any part of the lyrics in that. Just uh, really, it was really just that guitar motif that's in the, in the beginning. Oh, but still that's, that's what hooked you. So, I mean, yeah, right. Well, cool. Thanks, man. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, Simon, uh, that is a really personal song for him, as you can well imagine. And, uh, so, is it was a powerful experience to to you know to help uh, contribute to it and and in, in the end uh, yeah thank you for your feedback on that and I'm sure Simon will hear about your your positive words there so yeah very cool and and, and it was great for me um, to get some co-writing on that as well uh, very you know important step in my career and and uh, on such a such a powerful album. Yeah, very very powerful. Um, also, on um, Sound of Contacts, uh, Dimensionot, the first mm-hmm. track off of that album. Now, how much um, guitar work did you lend to that to that first album? Now, okay, so that quite a bit. First of all, but the the very very first song is kind of like an intro. So I want to make sure we're talking about the the right, uh, the right one. Um, like the very first song is got some acoustic guitars and a lot of singing. Um, and so I actually didn't play guitar on that. Um, and interestingly enough, it goes into, so I'm not sure if you're talking about that one or, you, or I, maybe I made you're talking a mistake. about yeah. the one that the second song is yeah. kind of heavy, heavier and yeah, instrumental. The, yeah. That's so, what yeah. I was referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cosmic distance ladder yeah that's it that yeah that song it's interesting and it will kind of get us into the story a little bit of how things unfolded there i did co-write that song uh but just the way things unfolded uh it was matt dorsey who ended up playing uh, the final guitars on that so yeah it's uh yeah it's kind of weird when that album came out um for me because uh, like I didn't actually play in the first two songs, <laughs> it's like all this build up, and uh, I mean they're great they're great pieces and everything, but at that point um, I had stepped down from my position in the band uh, for some personal reasons, and so I didn't really get to do the finishing touches such as just some of the final guitars and um, and the order of the songs and all that kind of thing. So I'd I'd, I'd uh, left that to others. But you also, I mean, you, you had a hand in it. So without, without you, it wouldn't have been what it is. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I mean, Simon and I, uh, before we even brought the other guys on board had been working on that. Um, well, we were working on it during the catastrophe album, the, like, cause Simon has expressed to me, uh, that he really wanted to do something other than, a solo project like he wanted to put together a band something it wasn't called simon collins it's like you know something we could uh just help help him break away from from uh just 
this the cycle of of solo albums a, a little bit at least uh, give give uh, him a different outlet and uh so we've been kind of working on dimensionot like since th- those uh those days and coming up with the the concept for it uh, i actually i the word dimensionot came from a bruce sterling's short story yeah like simon and i kind of went on a mystical journey of sorts just coming up with um concepts and a lot of you know reading a lot of science fiction and uh looking into like some of the experimental things going on at the time like phantom dna experiments where you like kind of uh, experimenting with human tissue in different locations and stuff like that and which led us to this uh dimension art concept and then once uh simon had a uh, had a deep connection with somebody named dave kersner at the time who i didn't know they they uh, stumbled across each other at a a genesis uh rehearsal in new york i think somehow i think because dave kersner is a big fan of of genesis and, and phil collins as well and they somehow just randomly bumped into each other somehow at this this rehearsal so he wanted to uh, give Dave a, a shot at at uh, being part of this this project. And when once Dave came on board, uh, a lot of things started taking a, a bit more of a concrete shape uh, and and came together as a cohesive story. Well, that's awesome. Uh, navigate the conversation just in your work with like Sound of Contact and Simon Con solo. But what's going on in your neck of the woods as far as just like what you're personally involved in and, and what you have going on right now? Well, uh, right now I'm working with Simon still and we're working on a another band, uh, you know, for it's uh, we're it's at this point in the developmental stage. But we've got several several tracks uh, in the works and uh and uh don't re- only have working titles at, at the moment in terms of what the band might be called so uh that's what's going on right now i'm also trying to kind of narrow things down for myself in uh, and in such a way that i can have a solo project of my own as well i'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like because in a way actually Everything I've come up with for my solo stuff has ended up either on Sound of Contact stuff or with Simon. So it's been difficult to actually um, retain enough material to have my own solo album. But I'm I'm trying to do that. Uh, so it, it could be that could be uh, something I finish in the next year or so as well. So I'm yeah really I'm, I feel like I should have you know could have should have would have done a solo album a long time ago and. So I'm really trying to get that going. Well, I I hope, you know, all the good vibes and and all the uh, positive energy in order for you to do that because uh, I, I could definitely understand, um, you know, if I tried to, to release a solo album, it would be so hard because everything that I do is all sent to my band. So, right. you know, you've got, you've got work going on with, Simon Collins and Sound of Contact, you know, all your good riffs are going for that stuff. So it's, yeah. you know, it's that, it's hard to keep, you know, stow away some of information for yourself. That's right. It's it's exactly 
what's going on for me for sure. So I guess what I got to do, um, what I think would probably be the thing to do is just crank out as much as possible. And eventually there's going to be some overflow and, uh, you can call that a solo project, I guess, you know, at this point, maybe, uh, with this, you know, kind of global lockdown next few weeks, it'd be productive for me in a way. Uh, I've been playing a lot of guitar and, uh, you know, trying to uh, be self-isolating as much as possible. So it's, it's actually been good for creative purposes. It's kind of a double-edged sword for creative people because, you know, the only thing you can do live is like Facebook live, but that's right. You can just every day crank out more stuff for an album, you know? That's true. Yeah. Well, I've been, you know, it's true. Like even the stuff that I'm coming up with these days, last couple of weeks, I'm all thinking, oh yeah, well, I'll send this to Simon. Simon lives in Ireland right now and I'm in Canada. So we've got a long distance relationship. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it have to be really proactive, uh, sending ideas back and forth. So really trying to get, uh, that, um, going and kind of oiled up into a, a efficient machine. And it's true. Even if I say I want to do a solo album, it's like all of my best stuff. I just, you know, I just want to put into this project with Simon really. So, um, so, you know, we'll see. I don't know if a solo album will ever happen because, you know, Simon and I are just going to keep working together at, at this rate. That's how it looks like. And uh, I'm happy with that because he's he's a great uh, collaborator for me. Uh, like we're very we we're good together and, and he's a fantastic drummer, complimentary drummer and singer for the kind of stuff that that I come up with. Well, it definitely shows uh, through all the work that you guys have done together. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the the ride that both of y'all are on right now, I'd say keep going with it because it's, it's great. I mean, oh. front to back, both things that you've, you know, worked on with him, just every track's great. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I mean, it's part, it's always a team effort. Uh, so, but yeah, it's, it's nice, uh, that I, I well, I should say, I, I just feel really fortunate to have been worked, uh, to, to have worked with the people that I have and the producers that Simon has managed to, uh, bring on, onto the team. Uh, it's, a you know, I, I met Simon first in 2006, I think maybe 2005. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story. I, at the time I was living in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and, playing in like six, seven, whatever, plus bands traveling around quite a bit, uh, you know, wow. local, lo local stuff, you know, I was kind of a, I could do a lot of stuff, a lot of different styles. And so I find myself just, you know, picking up lots of gigs and, and, uh, out of the blue, I kind of got this call. It's like, there's, have you ever heard of Simon Collins? And I hadn't. And it's like, okay, well, wow. Son, son of, Phil Collins is kind of interesting. And I, I heard his previous record time for truth. No, actually it was actually, um, well, I heard some of the tracks from Simon's album time for truth before it was released. And it's like, here's, here's some of the material. Would you be interested in, in trying out in guitar? And so I actually auditioned. It was, is my first, one of my first auditions and, uh, auditioned for his band and got the gig. And, and so my first, my first experience with working with Simon was just as a guitar player and his, and his band, we did some, uh, showcase kind of stuff, a little bit of touring 
and that uh, evolved uh, into being a deep friendship, a real close friendship. Um, and I, I became a band leader and you know tour director uh, eventually. And uh, and then we put together Sound Contact, uh, you know, five or six years after we I auditioned for his solo band. That's great. I mean, it's actually less than that. It's probably only a couple of years after that. Because, you know, he was, that was one of the themes uh, that came up quite quickly with Simon is that he wanted to do something other, you know, something that was just got him away from using his name. And yeah, that I've, became, I've noticed that in a few interviews. Um, but that's totally understandable because on his own right, I mean, he's, he's a, you know, wonderful musician in his own right, apart from whatever, you know, his, his connection with his dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very creative uh, and uh, sensitive uh, individual. So that a lot that pours through in his music is very honest uh, uh, in all ways. Uh, he, he's genuine when it comes to his, his musicianship and and uh, and also uh, his lyrical approach is 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 also, you know, kind of he bears his soul. And I think people do connect with that. The, the fans he's got are uh, really appreciative of, like, the of his honesty. Kelly, I really appreciate uh, your entire time that you've uh, donated to this podcast. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to leave out there in the airwaves that you've uh, uh, haven't said? Or, well, thanks again for having me. First of all, and uh, perhaps we can do more of this in the future. I, at this point. Um, it's. Uh, it feels like I've. I've said. Uh, you know it's what I had on my mind today, uh, with the help of your questions, and I would just like to put out some positive energy to yourself and and also just to the world, whoever might hear this, uh, that you know we can keep just doing what we're doing and making this world a good as place as we can. You know, let's stay healthy out there. And I look forward to transforming some of the difficulties happening in the world uh, right now, hopefully into some creative work that people can enjoy and, and uh, get a genuine experience from. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to uh, yourself for having me here again. And also, uh, you know, thanks to my family. Thanks to my, uh, you know, people in my life who have supported me got a lot of people I can uh, be grateful for and I guess if there's one thing I want to put out there is that gratitude is always important uh, I try to practice that as much as I can every day despite the challenges it might be or things that might be trying to drag me down so if there's a if there's a message I could put out there right now it'd be remember gratitude I think that's super important especially in this time that's like it's so trying on everyone and you know it's it's a difficult time but there are so many things that we can be thankful and and you know give gratitude to especially your you know like you said family totally agree with everything you said cool man right on well thank you so much my pleasure my pleasure and yeah take care of yourself and uh we'll talk to you again soon Uh, sounds great kelly thank you so much Bye for now.